Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. God bless you and good morning. Thank you so much for standing. You may have a seat. Welcome to Southridge Church. My name is Micaiah. I'm the pastor here at Southridge Church and I am honored and thrilled to see each and every one of you. Today is going to be a great day, not just because the Bengals are about to beat the Rams. Um, Not that I have money on it at all or anything like that, you know, uh, but it's going to be a great day. No, it's going to be a great day because you're here. We're together. We just heard some powerful worship music. We just have to thank the Lord for our worship team. One more time. Can we just... That was just wonderful, leading us in worship. And that's what it is, leading us in worship to worship our God who is worthy of it all. And we just, even if you had a rough week, God's still worthy. Even if the relationship isn't going well, God is still worthy. No matter what happens in the economy or with politics or with the pandemic, no matter what happens, God is still worthy. And that's why we need church so much to come together and to remind one another that God is still worthy through it all. He is worthy. So we're so glad that you're here. On your seat or near your seat is a little card. It's called a connection card. I'd love for you to take out that card. And maybe you have a prayer request that you want the church staff and church family to pray for. You can write that in. Maybe you want to join a ministry team and you want to volunteer and make a difference each and every Sunday. Hey, you can join that. Maybe you want to join a life group. You can fill that in. Or maybe today is your first time at Southridge, and we're thrilled to have you here. We would love it if you would especially take that card, and you can either fill it out and drop it in the offering basket at the end of our service, or you can take it to our Welcome Center where we have a gift that we'd love to give to you as a way of saying thank you for being our special guest. Or if this is your second time here, we'd love for you to just let us know this is your second time. It's great to have first-time guests, but it's the second-time guests that they see that, hey, there's potential there. I'll go back and I'll, I'll check it out a second time. Y'all been to that restaurant? You were like, one and done? You're like, never again? Yeah, I don't want our church to be that. Like, hey, I did that, never doing that again. You know, We don't want Southridge to be that place. We want Southridge to be a place where you come, you visit, and you stay, and you become a part of our family. God is doing something great here, and we want you a part of the family. Well, we are in a series that's dealing with relationships. And many times we struggle in today with commitment and relationships. And sometimes we're just, we don't even know why we struggle with it. And it's difficult to figure out, but God's word has a remedy for our romance. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you would, please turn your attention to the screen for a brief introductory video. Dating Delilah, what, what a topic, huh? Uh, some of you say, I'm married, and uh, good, don't date Delilah then, you know, that's, that's easy, that's your homework, all right, you're married, dating's done, except if you're dating your spouse, then tomorrow, it is Valentine's Day, uh, you still have time to grab some flowers, to grab some things, and get all set. But I love this time. I like this time of year for so many reasons. It's a great time to talk about relationships, to look at what God's word has to say about them. And also, I think it's fitting because tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So, you know, the church nursery will be available for your use after. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Some of you were like, what? You had to be here two weeks ago. All right. Little call back. It's okay. But I'm going to ask a question, and I do not want you to answer out loud, all right? Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble in the car ride on the way home, and then you're going to blame me. But here's the question, and this is for the married people. If you are married, would you get married again? Now, don't, don't, don't look right at me. Just look right at me if you're married. And don't answer out loud. Unless it's a resounding yes, like you're just going to score some brownie points, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. There we go. There we go. Unless it's a definite for sure. Here's the next question. If you would get married again, would it be to the same person? You're like, hmm, I know, I know. Some of you are in hot water already. It's already tense. You're like, what are you doing? I came to church. I didn't need this kind of heat 
in the relationship, man, because the wife's going to want to, or the fiance, or this person's going to want to answer on the way home, and uh, you got to come ready, and you're like, hey, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not lie, so um, this one, just, just, just lie if the answer wasn't a resounding yes, for sure. But isn't it interesting that culture will give you so many reasons to not stay married? Culture will give you a lot of reasons to marry somebody else or get out of the relationship. It seems to me that whether or not you uh, go to church or whether or not you ascribe to the fact that God wants a husband and wife to come together for one lifetime, that's, that's God's original plan, uh, it seems that culture is constantly trying to break that apart, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. It just seems like marriages are just pulled apart. And so it's hard to look at how do we help with these relationships. And then those of us that, uh, I said those of us, I am married, happily. And, uh, but those that may not be married, you can see a relationship that don't make it. You're like, well, I don't want to go through that. So I, I'm not even interested in it. I won't even try. So there's also this fear that it comes to relationships. And I told Jane, I said, if we were doing this whole thing all over again, I would be so scared to date. It'd just be so hard because anything you want to know about me, it's online, right? You could just find out. See, at least in 2005, I had the advantage that I had no digital footprint, all right? There was nothing online that I had to worry about, nothing to fear. But nowadays, it's just amazing that you could just go back and you could find all kinds of things about people. And so what do we do? Well, in this series, I want to talk about how do we stay commitment? How, how, do we, how do we remedy the romance woes that we may have? And we're going to look at a couple that is famous. Now, throughout Scripture, there's lots of famous couples, uh, not just in the Bible, uh, but also in history. There's those couples that just uh, throughout history that you've, you've heard of. And it's not just uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye, but now it's not Kanye. I think it's Pete now. Uh, and uh, you got Brad and Angelina, but then that one didn't work out, you know. And then, and then you had this one famous couple, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. That was one couple, didn't work out. And we found an updated photo of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra that we're going to show uh, just this updated photo. Yeah, there they are. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Yes, that's 2007. That's Mark Anthony. Very pale, pasty Mark Anthony with a scowl because somebody asked me to a Sadie Hawkins. Notice her outfit looks really cool and mine just looks like Easter performance at some church, like Centurion Guard. Like, what is this, you know? Good times. Thank you. Please delete that photo forever. Get rid of it. But as we begin, we want to look at scripture. And sometimes the hardest struggle for me is that I will teach and prepare something during a relationship series or some marriage things. And then that very week, Jane and I will argue and fight and have passionate discussions. And I think to myself, man, the guilt sets in that you're about to teach something that it's hard to follow. Marriage and relationships is just difficult. It's not always easy. And I know I'm going to come up here and I'm going to make it sound like it's all easy and like my relationship's perfect. Uh, if you hung around Jane and I at any length of time or you went to the marriage conference, you found out like, no, 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 it's far from that. And that would be the truth about every relationship here. It is difficult, but it's worth the difficulty because there are those moments where you're like, this, this is exactly what God wanted. This is how perfect is this moment? And it could be over the simplest little things. It's not always like a great moment when it's at a five-star restaurant and where you got people watching the children. You could just have some time. No, no. Sometimes the smallest little moments where it's just, hey, we're just Taco Bell, just hanging out, just a coffee. And you're like, man, this is a great moment. This is why I'm so lucky to be married. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, we're looking for the secret. And many people are like, just tell me the secret to a great relationship. I just want to know the secret, and then all my problems will be solved. One business leader, I was reading his book, and he was like, there are no silver bullets, only lead. Like, everybody's looking for that silver bullet. What's that thing that'll just deal with it? So there's no secret to a great relationship. There's only steps to a good relationship. And if you think about it in steps, then you realize that you actually can make your relationship better. But if you're like, well, if there's a secret, then you're always like, well, what's the secret? I have to have the secret. And if I don't have the secret, then, of course, my relationships aren't going to be how they, they're supposed to be. No, no, steps. God lays out steps. And so we're going to turn our attention to Judges chapter number 16. I'm going to go through this entire chapter, but it's a long chapter. But what we're going to do is just focus on six verses, and then we're just going to kind of unpack that this morning. 
because today relationships seem more difficult to have healthy, strong relationships. And too many times in the relationship, you are asked to compromise on some things. Now, it's okay to compromise on certain things, but when we have to compromise on our beliefs or our values or our integrity or our walk with the Lord, it's not a healthy relationship, not one that's going to last. But in Judges 16, notice if you would, verse number one, we're going to study and look at this guy named Samson. Verse number one says this, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. She also has a radio show at night. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what may be bound to afflict you. There are no secrets to a great relationship, only steps. But this is all about fatal attraction. And if you want to write down a sermon title, that would be the title, A Fatal Attraction. Because Delilah didn't hide what she had planned for Samson, does she? Verse number six, it's like, hey, tell me the secret of your strength. Because if you are familiar, you grew up in church, you're familiar with Samson. And if you ever had a picture Bible Uh, you saw the pictures of Samson. Muscular guy, tan, long locks, you know, just just really good looking. And then it's like, wow, I want to find someone like that. But then, so Samson has that that mystique about him. And here she's thinking, no, no, I want to end his life. I want to afflict him. I want to hurt him. You see, Samson was supposed to be a judge, which was supposed to be a ruler. Somebody who was going to lead the nation of Israel to follow God. But Samson doesn't do that. Samson has a problem, and it happens to deal with relationships. And he meets this woman named Delilah. And this is where many of us, whether we're from the church or not, we've heard of this person. And I want to give us some unspoken reasons why we struggle with relationships. And the first one is found in verse number four. And it says that afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And then it says in verse number five that these Philistines who were the enemies of the Israelites, who uh, Samson, he's an Israelite, and he was supposed to judge and, and drive out the Philistines, and he doesn't quite do that, but the Philistines still hate Samson. So they go to Delilah and say, hey, we're gonna give you a bunch of money if you'll tell us the secret of his strength. So if you're taking notes, please write this down. Delilah broke Samson's trust. And this is the hardest thing in relationships, isn't it? To trust somebody. You found somebody that you're attracted to. You found somebody that you get along. You click. You have good chemistry. You vibe together. And you're just like, man, this is great. And then that person, you have to take that first risky step, which is to trust them. So you start with something small. You let them know about maybe a past hurt. You let them know why you're a little bit on guard against relationships. And so you share a little bit of a secret And isn't that what she goes after in verse number six? Tell me the secret of your strength. She's going after something personal. This is why some of us, we're done with relationships because we know we've got to get vulnerable with the other person if the relationship's going to make it. But here she goes after it for the wrong intention, not not to strengthen the relationship because intimacy is more than just being intimate in the bedroom. Intimacy has to do with this fact that there are no secrets between us. That there has to be a dropping of the guard. There has to be a little bit of making ourselves vulnerable to the other person. And that's hard to do. Now, some people do it way too quick, way too fast. But then others, too slow. But Delilah breaks Samson's trust. And Delilah's name means languishing. Languish means failure to be successful. Isn't it interesting that birds of a feather flock together? 
Because Samson was supposed to be this great leader in the nation of Israel. I mean, nobody else in the Bible gets Superman type, type strength. We're going to go through this passage. We're going to learn a lot about Samson. Samson threw, slew 3,000 people in one afternoon. One guy versus 3,000. That's pretty incredible. They should make a Marvel superhero movie about him. I mean, it would be amazing. Because he really was a superhero. He had supernatural strength. And everybody saw it. And this guy was supposed to lead and judge the nation of Israel for 20 years. It should have been a great couple decades in Israel's history. But it wasn't. Because Samson was also unsuccessful. You know, too often we want to attract something. But understand this. You attract what you are, not what you want. And I think too many times in relationships we make our little list. Here's what I want. I want these things. But yet we have an expectation of others that we don't expect of ourselves. Yeah, we want that person that they love God, they serve the Lord, they, they, they are generous, they're kind, they're thoughtful, they're courteous. But are we any of those things? Because birds of a feather flock together. And if we are struggling in a relationship, too often it's because we have this expectation of the other that we won't ourselves do. And it's starting right there saying, hey, am I willing to do these things? I have this expectation of you, but am I willing to do it? You see, the best proof of love is trust. That's the best proof of love is that I can trust this person. Because trust really is telling somebody your secrets and hoping they won't use them against you. Because the longer you're in a relationship, you just find out things about the other person. Things that sometimes are funny, sometimes they're maybe from a painful past, things that are hard. I oftentimes will get myself into trouble because I kind of look at my family as like source material. So, so in life, whatever you do, can and will be brought up in a sermon. You know, it just, it's just, and, and then I go home afterward. And so my kids now know, and this is kind of shame on me moment. They'll be like, dad, I know that just happened. You cannot use that in a sermon. I was like, oh, but it'd be so good though. I'm already, I already, it, that'd be great. But what happens is we make ourselves vulnerable and we don't want anybody taking advantage of us in those things. See, Samson trusted Delilah blindly and ultimately you'll see it's going to lead to him being blind. You see, trusting you is our decision. Proving us right is theirs. So it's hard in a relationship to trust. So first of all, she's going to betray his trust. But then secondly, I want you to see this. In verse number seven, it says, And Samson said to her, If you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall be weak and be like other men. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now, when men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks it when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. So here's the thing. Samson then makes up a lie to try to throw her off. And he doesn't just do it once, he does it again and again. So we see that not only is she willing to break his trust, I want you to see uh, Delilah betrayed Samson with a trap. She sets a trap for this guy. And this guy loved her, right? That's what the verse said. In verse number four, it says, and Samson loved Delilah. And so love blinds. And he's just blind to the fact that this woman's literally trying to kill me. Like you may say this woman's trying to kill you because she made a bad meal. But no, 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 no. This isn't just she made a bad meal that tasted nasty. This is literally, she has Philistine soldiers in one of her rooms and she's lulling you to sleep, tying you up and then you wake up and you act like it's nothing. Talk about hubris on Samson's part. You see, some of us, we think we can get close to sin. We think we can get close to danger and it's not gonna hurt us. And that's part of our problem, isn't it? Some of us are sleeping with the enemy and we think the enemy's never gonna attack us. You don't think it's ever going to come back to bite you. You think, I'm stronger than this. I can quit this whenever I want. I can quit drinking coffee whenever I want to. I just choose not to. All right? You can use that with anything you want to use it with. You say, I can quit this relationship anytime I want to. 2 a.m. in the morning. How you doing? No, that's bad. Here it is. He's going back to this unhealthy relationship to a person that's trying to trap him. 
And over and over and over this happens. You see, Samson would sleep in Delilah's lap. And it's going to end up costing him everything, as we're going to see in a moment. But there's another Old Testament character by the name of Jacob. That as he was running, the Bible says that he made a pillow, a rock for his pillow, and he slept. And then he saw the stairway to heaven. My question is, where are you sleeping? Where are you resting in? Are you resting on the rock or are you resting on Delilah's lap? Something that has to do with the flesh. Something that has to do with failure. Where are you resting? You see, he rested on Delilah's lap and it cost him his sight. Jacob rested on the rock and he got to see a sight of heaven. You see, sometimes we put our trust in things that we should not put our trust in. Proverbs says this, confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. And some of us are going back to relationships that are not healthy for you and you're not healthy for them. And you're thinking, it'll be all right this time. And that's what Samson's doing. And some of us, our remedy to romance is right there. If the person is baiting you and betraying you, there is a problem. She wanted to know the secret of Samson's strength. And Samson wouldn't give it up. You see, Delilah bound him and it didn't work. The Philistines bound him and it didn't work. Why? Because he made a vow. You see, he was a Nazarite. It meant he had a vow from his birth. His parents had this vow. And there were three parts to being a Nazarite. Not drink alcohol, to not shave your head, and to not touch anything dead. And Samson, as we'll see throughout the weeks, he had given up on two of those. The Valley of Sorek, Sorek actually means like vineyard, vines. It's the equivalent of Napa. So if you're an alcoholic, you're like, hey, I probably shouldn't be hanging around a bunch of wineries. Mm, Probably not a good idea. And if you're a Nazarite, it's definitely a bad idea. You stay away from things that you're not supposed to be close to. And then we also see that he got close to dead things. But this is the last one that was left, his hair. So I know I'm moving quick, but here's where we're going to spend the bulk of the time. So we see Delilah broke Samson's trust. We see that Delilah betrayed him. But here's why some of us are just done with relationships altogether. And it has to do with verse number five. And I know I'm moving fast because I really want to spend a lot of time building up one other point. Why did she do it though? Like why betray him? Why do all this? And in verse number five, it kind of lets us know. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lives and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. This is why we have a relationship problems because we have been betrayed, we've been backstabbed, we've been blindsided and yet the other person benefits from all of it. That's why we have a hard time trusting in relationships. Because we're tired of footing the bill while the other one gets the benefit. We're tired of giving it up to the person and they don't commit. We're tired of we show up for that person, we drag them to church, we drag them here, and they just bleed us dry. And then we just step back and think, you're getting all the benefits. You know, this whole thing, friends with benefits, is garbage, right? We know it is, but why do we go back to those type of relationships that just suck us dry and drain us? And this is why the church and Christians struggle with relationships is because we're in relationships and we're tired of the other person benefiting from our expense. And Samson's going to pay the price. And Delilah's going to get the benefit. Delilah comes out ahead. Each one, we don't know how many people were there, but each one said they give her 1,100 pieces of silver. This is a lot of money. And she doesn't mind serving up Samson to him. She has no problem doing it. She gladly did it. You see, some of you hang around people that would gladly serve you up. They would gladly take advantage of you. And you don't see it. Your friends see it. Your family sees it. Your church sees it. God sees it. But you're the only one who doesn't see it. And God is hoping you wake up and say, this person is not good for you. You should not have this person in your life. Why do you have their contact still? Why are you still friends on social media? Why do you still go back to this? This is unhealthy. This isn't good for you. This always ends badly. But yet, there you go. 
because we're hooked like Samson was. And you say, well, I want a good relationship. And Sartir, you see, here's the hardest part, though. Whose fault was it all, really? Is it really Delilah's fault? It's actually not Delilah's fault. There's an old Indian proverb. An Indian was crossing a stream, and it's a proverb, okay? And he saw a snake. And the snake said, I can't get across the stream. Would you please put me into your coat and carry me across the stream? She said, no, 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 you're a poisonous snake. You're going to bite me as we go across the stream. And the snake said, no, 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 I won't bite you, I promise. And then the Indian agreed, put the snake in his coat and began to get across the stream. And just before he had reached the other side, the deadly snake bit him. And as the Indian was dying, he said to him, I thought you said you wouldn't bite me. And the snake said, you knew what I was. The fault is yours. You know sin is there to steal, kill, and destroy. The fault is Samson's. He never should have been in Sorek. You see, Samson had a problem. Samson's problem is he was, let's just say, he liked to get along a little bit too much. He was promiscuous, but he wanted to pretend that he was virtuous because he's the judge of Israel. And look at me. I want everybody to think well of me. And Samson was the problem. You see, Christian, listen to me this morning. I see young people, single young people, throwing their life away, ruining their life, or even married people making the same mistakes. Why? And then they want to blame everybody else. But the problem is we've got to step back, and Scripture is clear on these things. It's clear, but yet we keep going back to sinful things. We keep going back to these broken things. And God doesn't want you to be a Samson because Samson only has himself to blame. You cannot blame this church because this church will give you hard truth. And I know sometimes it's difficult. You see, your greatest enemy is not around you. It is you. The greatest thing that messes up Micaiah Ermler's life is not Jane. It's not Megan. It's not Austin. It's not Cain. That's my wife and my three children. It's not my parents. It's not my friends. It's me. It's my flesh, my lust, my desires. That's the thing I've got to crucify every day. That's the thing I've got to come before God and say, God, I'm not walking with you. God, I do not want to go to church. I do not want to read my Bible. I do not want to pray. And when those moments I do not want to do those things, I must do those things. Because it means I'm, I'm drifting. It means I'm sick. It means I need help. You see, Samson's problem was he learned the wrong lessons. At first, I thought this is an isolated incident between Samson and Delilah. Because the scripture even tells us in 16 that Delilah, she comes to Samson, she's crying. And I, I am like Samson. I can't, I just can't take it when my wife cries. I don't know how you guys are. I just can't take it. I feel manipulated. I'm like, those tears, those crocodile tears, it's over. I can't argue. I can't win the debate. I can't do anything. I just sit there and you're right. It's my fault. Even if I didn't spend the $3,000 on the thing, it's still my fault. My wife doesn't do that, but I just hypothetical illustration. But the moment a woman cries, a guy is like mush in her hand. And so sometimes we feel misused by that. But that's what Delilah does. She comes to Samson crying. And in verse number 17 of this passage, she just kind of lays it out. She says, and excuse me, let's back up. Verse 15 Here's Delilah talking to Samson. Then she said to him, how can you say that I love you when your heart is not with me? You've heard your wife say that. Everybody's girlfriend said that. Everybody's fiance said that. Maybe your husband says that to you. How can you say you love me and not let me watch football? I thought we love each other. How can you say you love me and you won't let me buy that car? How can you say you love me and you won't buy me that ring? But she says, Samson, you can't say that you love me. This is the oldest trick in the book. You use something as leverage to manipulate the outcome. And many of us do this in our relationships. We leverage love. And it's a down payment on discord. And it turns out to be a mortgage of misery. And then we wonder why love ends in legal divorce. 
because we use love as a weapon in a relationship. And we say, a person that loves me would never hurt me. You know, my parents, I know they love me, but they beat me, man. Not like child abuse, but man, I, I got some good ones. All right. I just, and I'll, at the time I would say I was innocent, officer. I was, no, I wasn't. I just wanted to escape the punishment. I deserved all of it. Even the times when I didn't get caught or I didn't do anything wrong, I still probably deserved it. But here's what we do with love. We manipulate it to our own gains. Oh, if you just love me, you would just trust me and not look on my phone who I'm texting. See how we twist it? Oh, if you just love me, you would just let me have my own joint bank account and just let me fly off here by myself. I just need my, my time with my girls or just my guys. I just, I, you shouldn't be checking on me. Love trusts. I was about to say a bad word. Uh, <laughs> Bullpucky. I hear it all the time, though. Well, if you trust me. And we play these games with love. It's manipulation. You know it. I know it. But yet we keep playing. It. And then we wonder why. I don't know why it didn't work out. <laughs> you know why it didn't work out. If we were to do a postmortem on these relationships, you could see, here's where you messed up. Here's what you did. But yet we kind of think, oh, I'm ignorant towards all of it. And we're not. You see, Samson, this is not an isolated incident. Delilah manipulates you with love. And then she says, you've mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. I love that. Notice she said your great strength. There's nothing a guy likes to hear than an ego boost, right? Just let me know where your strength, not strength, that great strength. Let me see with those muscles. Let me just kind of flex for me. Thor. I hate the Marvel movies, by the way, just saying, you know. Big old biceps. It's all Adobe After Effects. It's fake. Verse 16, it came to pass when she pestered him daily. Guys love that. We love that. Bring it up a lot. Like, it just helps us. I mean, the more you can bring up something, it's like we have a little game. And we just want to know. That's the only reason we're not doing it is, is it's just game. How many times? No, it's not really. Guys don't like to be pestered. You told us six months ago, so that should be sufficient. All right? We'll get to it. And it says, she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Okay, Samson's over-exaggerating there. You're pestering me to death. We say it like this. Guys will be like, you're smothering me. I just feel smothered by all of this. I wanted a wife, not my mother. That line works great too, by the way. Use that often. That's pro tip. Just as much as you can, just be like, you look like my mother. You cook like my mother. It's great. It's great for intimacy. Sure. Yes. No. Kills all of it. But I thought this was an isolated incident until I went back to Judges 14. You see, in Judges 14, once again, Samson, he's met another woman two chapters prior. You see, we think Delilah is an isolated incident. Understand, no, no, no. Delilah is a pattern of incidents. You see, the problem is that you don't just have a one-time oops, it's a pattern. And God is trying to help us break unhealthy patterns in our life. You see, God, he understands we're going to have a problem. We're going to fail. But this is a pattern. And in chapter 14, the Bible says, and then Samson's wife wept on him because Samson, he finds his Philistine wife and he tells his parents, I love her. She pleased me. Go and get her for me to wife. And his parents say, hey, isn't there an Israelite? Isn't there a girl that, that from here that serves Jehovah God, not, not one of the Philistines who worship Dagon, which is a false god? And aren't you supposed to be a spiritual leader? Why would, you, why would you do that? Because marrying a Philistine, Philistine represented the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's what the Philistines represent. Throughout scripture, there's the type, and it's this archetypal type. And for the Christian, it's not supposed to be joined to these things. And by marriage, it's this coming together and being one with it. So it is Samson saying, I want to be one with the world. There's a lot of Christians who are like, I want to go to church on Sunday and I want to live however I want. And then I want the church to validate me on Sunday. And Southridge, we love you, but we're not going to validate you. If you're living for God and righteousness, we want to encourage that. 
But if you're not living for God in righteousness, I want you to walk in and understand there's a God who loves you, but wants you to repent and come back to him. That's what the church is about. And we're the family and we correct behavior. We make sure it lines up with scripture, but then we correct it. And Samson says he loves this woman. And here's the thing. Samson had made a bargain and Samson had, he gotten drunk, which he wasn't supposed to do. And then he tells a riddle. And in this riddle, he was supposed to get all this stuff. And these Philistines had seven days to figure out the riddle. So the Philistines go to his wife and say, hey, get Samson to tell us the riddle. Otherwise, we'll kill you and your family. So she comes to Samson. Notice what she does. And Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me. You do not love me. That sounds familiar. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, so it started with just a riddle. You see, here's the thing. You never overnight just give up everything. Satan takes peace by peace by peace. It was easy for him to tell the secret of his strength because he had already gotten used to giving up the secret. Marriage is supposed to be in the confines of love. That's where intimacy, that's where God has designed it. But we live in a culture now that says just give it up wherever you want. And then we've created that we just, hey, it's, it's okay. And it's, that's outside of God's plan. And so Samson, she wants this riddle. Verse 17, now she wept on him. The seven days while they feasted lasted and it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much Then she explained the riddle to the sons of the people. It's identical stories. Chapter 14 and chapter 16. Same. But once again, the problem is not the people. The problem is Samson not learning. He learned the wrong lesson. And when it comes to relationships, we've got to step back and say, what are the lessons I'm supposed to be learning? You see, many of us are struggling with the same things because we're going back and we're not saying, hey, what, what do I need to do differently? Imagine tomorrow I go out into the, my driveway and I jump in my truck and I put the key in and I turn it on and click, 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 click. Huh. It's not, it's not turning over. Okay. And then I just sit there a few minutes. Click, 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 click. Okay. I'll sit a few more minutes. Click, 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 click. Okay, take the key out, close the door, go inside, make a cup of coffee, sit down, read a paper. Nobody reads papers anymore. Uh, Browse the news. 30 minutes goes by. Go back out to my car, open the door, put the key in. Click, 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 click. Let me go back, make another cup of coffee, read more of the news on my tablet, let 30 minutes go by, and then the process goes again. What is that process called? Insanity. Because I'm doing the same thing And I'm expecting something different. You are doing the same thing in your relationship and you're expecting something different. To want something different in your marriage, your dating, your engagement, you must do something different. But we live in a world where we say, no, 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 no. The car needs to fix itself. I went over here and did my thing. You go fix yourself. Stupid car wanting to charge its own battery. I bet the Tesla car would. Yeah. You heard that? I'm getting a Tesla next time. Or Prius. I don't know. (laughs) Haven't thought about it yet. Go find me a different husband. Going to go find me a different boyfriend. Going to go find me a different wife. Wait a minute. It's insanity. And Christians, we're famous for this. We're famous for just expecting people to change because why we go to church and so we just kind of expect them. Here's what Jane and I have figured out. The one thing that's been our saving grace in our relationship is that I don't expect her to change. She didn't expect me to change. We expect each other to keep working on ourselves. And we appreciate what God is doing in their heart. And we encourage growth. What gets rewarded gets repeated. If you're taking notes, that's a good one. What gets rewarded gets repeated. If you're rewarding good behavior, guess what? Guys, we're, we're kind of slow. So guess what? If you say, hey, great job doing the dishes. Like, I'll do that again. I'll do the dishes. Oh, man. You look fine when you vacuum. Oh, I do? We, we will vacuum for you. 
Oh, you look real good when you fold that laundry. Oh man, I could fold laundry. I just, I just keep washing our clothes whether they're clean or dirty or not. Man, is that what it takes? You reward that? We, we will stay on that thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes, ladies, you assume us guys just think about at our offices. How can I just mess up her day? Like, I know this has just, you know, been a rough week. Your mother passed away and dog, your cat died, you know. So let me just be a real jerk when I get home. No guy does that. But ladies, sometimes you contemplate things in your head. It's like, he's in his office having a great time. I'm having a horrible week and he doesn't even care that I'm having a horrible week because he hasn't texted me. And when we got up this morning, he didn't say I love you and he didn't kiss me. He's sleeping with somebody else. (laughs) What? We are dudes. We're basically cavemen. We want food and coffee. And then when we see you, we just want to stare because you're beautiful. And we don't, the brain doesn't connect to the mouth to say something nice. We're just like, hubba, hubba, hubba. That's all we can get out. But let me go back to the lesson. Samson is a Nazarite. Nazarite means Nezer. Nezer means crown. Scripture talks about a crown in Revelation 3, 1. And keep your crown. Guard it. Why? Because one day, you're going to take your crown and we're going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. What was the last thing that Samson gave up? His crown. His hair. It was a picture of that one thing that you had left to bring to God. I know that in this room, we've all made our mistakes in relationships. We've all done things we're just, man, we're embarrassed to say it. And there are moments where it comes back to our mind and we thank God that that's not what we, what we are anymore. And I want to give you a verse because this could be a heavy message. This could be a weighty message where you're like, I'm not coming back. If that's what he did, beat me up. Man, I, that was rough. I want to give you hope. I want you to see in verse number 21. I know you didn't put it up on the screen, but pull out your Bible or your phone app. Verse 20, the Bible says, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out now as before as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. She had shaved his head. His strength was gone. His crown was gone. But I love verse 22. It says, How be it, the hair of Samson's head began to grow again. Maybe you've made some mistakes. And God says, that's okay. There's grace. I can make the crown grow again. I'm praying that God will do that right here where it's receding and right here where it's receding. Some of you are just like, gave up. We don't all have nice hair like Pastor Meese. A full crown glorious crown (laughs) shiny crown I'm going to stop because this crown can grow too (laughs) I'm sorry I love our church family so good but when it comes to the crown God says I'll give it back I'll grow it again. And then in verse number 22, his hair began to grow. And then verse 28, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which was borne up of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at, the, at his death were more than he slew with his life. It's sad how his life ends. 
It ended a bit better than he lived, but at the same time, that's not the way he wanted to end. But there is hope. You see, maybe you've messed up, and maybe the world, people, they see you as harmless. But understand, we still have worth. God says, I'm still going to use you. If we'll come back to him, and God says, I have a great plan, and that's what God wants for us. You see, even though he was bound, he was not beaten. And in your life, you may feel like I'm just bound, but God is here to tell you this morning, it's not beaten. I know it's a struggle because some of us are afraid to jump back into relationships or afraid even in our marriage relationship. It's strange. And to think, I don't know what to do. And it's stepping back and saying, Lord, help me in this relationship. Help me where I've broken trust. Help me where I have betrayed. Forgive me where I have reaped the benefit from their discomfort and pain. And Lord, if you can forgive me, I can forgive them and help our relationship to be restored. Allow the restoration to begin. God loves to restore relationships. God loves to bring fresh life. So if you have had your trust broken, you've been betrayed, and you've watched other people benefit from your suffering, this morning, would you say, God, only you can fix this. Only you can heal that hurt. And watch what God does. Watch how God restores. Watch the miracle, the thing you thought was impossible. Just step back and be like, wow, God did that? I mean, the fact that I've been able to stay married as long as I have to Jane, a German and a Filipino, staying together, it's incredible. Germans are stubborn. We try to take over the world twice, so it's stubborn. (laughs) Filipino ladies are sweet. They make the best doctors and nurses and dentists. But there's another side to them. They fierce, man. They are fierce. And we can fight for fun. Like, it could be a good Friday night. It's like, let's just have an argument, you know? It's kind of dull around here. It's like a gift. We could take anything and fight about it. We could be on a date, and we could just fight about something. But yet, through it all, I've seen God just in his grace, and you can too. Because there's in those moments you just have to humble yourself, not just before your spouse or your significant other, but ultimately before God. And let God just work. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to say it's the right thing, but there are moments in my relationship with Jane where both of us, we just need some time, where we just, we're in the house, we see each other, but we're just letting God work on the other person. We're just letting God work because there's nothing I can do. Anything I say is going to make it worse. Anything I do is going to be misinterpreted as, oh, you're just trying to win me back over. So you're just like, okay, God, I'm not going to vacuum. I'm not going to do the laundry because that message is taken totally wrong. And I got to trust you. And I'm just going to stay in my Bible. I'm going to stay in church and I'm going to watch God work. And if you'll trust God, God will come through. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can we stand as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can gather around your word And we could see that other people, they've been hurt. They've been betrayed. They've had their trust broken. They've been blindsided. But God, you can renew and restore. So Father, I know that there is every kind of hurt in this room. And Father, I'm praying for restoration, not only just in the marriages, but also in the hurt hearts. God, there are people here that they don't want to get another relationship because they know that there's a chance to be hurt again. And so, Father, would you heal their hearts so that when they go into this next relationship or start a new relationship, they can go in with no reservation. They can go in and they can be the type of person they want to be. And, Father, I pray for the person here that does not know you, that they would receive you because before they receive a spouse's forgiveness, they need heaven's forgiveness. They need your forgiveness of their sin so that they can have their salvation secure. So with head bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning. You say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to receive Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of my life. Is that you? You slip up a hand. We don't want you to just come to church just to hear a message, but we want you to receive life in Christ. It's the greatest decision ever. 
to receive the forgiveness of sins. Well, if you'd like to talk to any of our staff or our team about it, we'd be glad to pray with you afterward. But maybe you're here and you're just saying, hey, I'm, I've been struggling because I've been betrayed. I've been blindsided and I've seen somebody else benefit from it. Pastor, just pray for me this morning. I'm dealing with some hurts. Is that you? Can I pray for you? Nobody else looking around? I see those hands. Amen. I see those hands. God bless you. Let me put your hands down. I see those hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these hearts. More importantly, you see the hurts. And so, Father, we pray for your healing. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. And we trust that you can heal not only the broken lives, but also the broken hearts. I pray that you would restore families and marriages and relationships. God, would you do the miraculous, the thing that just seems so far above anything that we could ask, think, or imagine? Would you step in and do something great? We thank you that we can learn from Samson some lessons so we don't have to repeat the same mistake. Father, we thank you that your word put this in there. It's real. It's raw. And God, I thank you that it can teach us. May your word not return void, Father. May it do the work in our hearts. May we, as we drive home, be thinking about your word and what we need to work on. God, this week, as we are tempted, as we are drawn away, as Satan tries to pull us out of following you, God, would we be reminded to seek you first? Father, help your church. Help your people, God. And may we have some of the strongest marriages at Southridge. May we have some of the best relationships here. Not because of any teaching or preaching, but because people are seeking you. Your word says, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. God, would you add all these things to these relationships and bless them, Father. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.